I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And joining me on the other line, maybe not lounging in the satellite branch this week. I don't know. We're going to talk about that. But she's in Hamilton, Ontario, and that's your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Does supporting my head with my arms, is that a type of lounging? <laughs> Are Again, are you are you more vertical or horizontal? I I'm vertical. But I'm definitely supporting the weight of my head with my hands. Then yes. If you're not supporting Okay, then yeah, no. I'm not lounging. I am upright. If you're not supporting your head under your own power, you are lounging adjacent. Okay, lounging adjacent. I like this. So <laughs> maybe next week we can be lounging adjacent in the satellite branch. This is Kevin McKinnon. There you go. Hello. Don't you love being here for the start of a new bit, friends? <laughs> It's the birth of a new bit. It happens, <laughs> happens every so often. Friends, this is episode 275 of the Geek Down Podcast. If you want to listen to all 274 other episodes where all of our bits were birthed, go to wherever you get your audio content. Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, or Stitcher. Give us a rate, review, follow, subscribe. Push us up the algo so new friends can join us for the birthing of new bits. <laughs> I We love a good alliteration on this podcast. Boy, do we. <laughs> Henceforth, friends... When you hit that little button or bell, new episodes of this program will be brought directly to your device. You don't have to do anything else. They're going to be sprinkled to you from the back of a rainbow main alicorn named Philip by your mans. Chauncey Frostilicus III, Geek Down Internet Elf. And Sprinkle Aficionado. Sprinkle Aficionado. Possibly, you know, if, if you were going to talk about birth and bits, the greatest bit ever birthed on this show, your mans. Chauncey Frostilicus. If you have, uh, you want to let us know what your favorite bit over the past X amount of years we've been doing this show, or maybe you want to pitch. You got pitches? Hit us with some pitches. Oh, we'll take pitches. Sure, we will. <laughs> Always. We pay the standard podcast rate, which is $0, but you know, you can pitch anyway over at twitter.com slash geekdownpod. That's where the show lives on the social meds. Get up off Twitter. If you'd like to support this endeavor financially so we can, uh, you know, pay our staff. That, ro- that robust staff we're employing. <laughs> we actually do have a, have a uh, we're developing a tangential staff. We're staff adjacent. We'll get to that. We'll get to that in a moment. But hey, ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod. You want to throw three bucks in the old tip jar? We always, always appreciate it. Kate? Yeah. Hi. Hello there. It was a momentous day today, Caitlin. Why was it a momentous day, Jordan? Because I don't know how it was where you were today. But friends, here in Toronto... It was a smooth 16 degrees on a Sunday. It got up to 18 where I was. On a oh. Sunday in Toronto in 2022 where they tell us pandemic be waning. <laughs> Live a more so they say. fulsome life, they be telling us. Listen, the joke on SNL was like, you know, all the restrictions are getting lifted. Finally, said the next variant. <laughs> TBD. Uh. TBD. But for now, listen, Caitlin... Yeah. We was outside. We outside, we outside, the whole gang outside with it. I was outside. We outside, y'all. We outside. 
We was outside. outside. Me, someone cute, get the dog, head on out, Woodbine Beach this morning. Taking a little walk around through the Winter Stations art exhibition this morning. I didn't even have my jacket on, Caitlin, on the beach. <gasps> I was just in a sweatshirt. No mask. You want to know... <laughs> You want to know how this is this is the difference between Jordan and and myself. He was on a beach in Toronto looking at like trendy art ex- exhibits. I was in a forest. The <laughs> <laughs> senior correspondent Chris being excited about trees. Oh yeah, call back to the trees episode. Listen, Caitlin and I are going to talk <laughs> off air about the numbers that trees episode did, but it was not nearly as bad as it could have been. Get to that. Get to that I'm later. I'm sure. I am sure the tree episode is going to be listen, a slow burn. Okay. Listen. Don't ever think though that the tree thing is just for show. Caitlin about that tree life. She's about I that am, tree life. I am about that tree life. She's yes. Out there bathing. And Caitlin. So I'm out yeah. there. I'm out there with someone cute. We outside. We loving it. No mask. Maybe we shouldn't have. I don't know. Nobody had a fucking mask on. It was windy as fuck today anyway. So if any droplets were coming out, they were just, boom, gone to the stratosphere the second you exhale. So, I mean, whatever. There was this moment where, like, someone cute and I were already kind of feeling it. Just, like, the joy of being (laughs) outside and doing things. (laughs) And apropos of nothing, this woman walks by us. There are dogs everywhere off leash. We're saying hello. We met a, like four-month-old bulldog puppy named Goose who immediately rolled onto his back and presented his belly and we died, Caitlin. We died on the beach and were resuscitated by the rubbing of Goose's (gasps) belly. His tongue hung out the entire time. We were practically (gasps) screaming like we were at a BTS concert. It was the the most insane thing we've ever experienced. But we were having a momentous time as we're walking along, this woman kind of intersects our path and she turns to me and she goes, it's just so awesome to see people smiling. Oh. <laughs> we turn to each other. It's like, not us crying at the beach in public. Like, <laughs> Lady, calm down. My emotions. My emotions. It, um, it, was, it was pretty, pretty joyous. And like, yeah. we're driving around afterwards and like, we're seeing lineups for shit. And it's like. It's like, you know, Toronto love a lineup. That lineup might not even be for anything. They might just be like, yo, Toronto back. We got to get in a line, baby. 2022. Quick. Let's go. I don't even know Quick. what it's for. FOMO. FOMO's know, in full gear. know what it's for. We got to get in this line, though. Oh, and after that, we, we someone cute needed a gift for a friend um, that you need to send to a friend who lives in the States. And we, we wandered through Kensington, Kensington Market, some of the little cuter shops out there. Found some items. We were in the neighborhood, so we stopped by just to say hello to the homie Hisa at Cosmos Records. Said what's up to him, who also had his dog in the building. Ooh. Is Bernie's mountain dog, Kaede. Beautiful little soul. She sat right on my foot immediately. I'm like, I've never been happier. Okay, so it's not, it wasn't today, but this weekend I was, I had a very exciting time. Mm. I got to hang out with a baby. I mean, I guess. See, <laughs> so some people are like, oh, like, 
let me show you pictures of my dog. And people are like, oh my God, yes. And I'm that like, I'm that breeder type that's like, someone's like, let me show you the baby, like pictures of my baby. And I'm like, yeah. And someone tries to show me pictures of their dog or their cat. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about your dog or cat. They're cute. Great. Show me pictures of babies. Uh, that's what I want. And I got to hang out with a baby. Um, Jordan was like, why don't you, ha did you not watch anything this week? It was because I was hanging out with a baby. Um, and... I would do that every week if I could. You hung out with a baby for the entire week? No, no. I hung out a with a baby for all, basically like, like a chunk of Saturday. Did you know this baby or was this like a goose on the beach situation where you just found a baby <laughs> No, in the streets uh, and started, started a talking of mine, to it? A friend of mine had a baby a couple weeks ago. So it was a brand new baby. Oh. Um, where they're all so like, they don't have any so bones. Really wasn't doing anything. <laughs> no, it was great. I got to just hold the baby and and look at the baby's toes and freak out at like the tiny like babies have tiny hands and they've got like little knuckles that have the lines already. They're born with little lines in their knuckles. It's insane. I could go on. Anyways, so we both had a great great weekends. I did some tree bathing. I got to hang out with the baby. You hung around some dogs, some beach walking. See, great. Different, but great. And we got a Shin Ramen takeout on the way home. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Ishin Ramen trumps babies and dogs every day of the week. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, went, mm -hmm. you went recently to Ishin Ramen. I did. I did. Ishin Ramen in Toronto, man. They got a couple locations. It's pretty It's pretty top shelf. Get the spicy veggie, veggie miso. Tell them someone cute sent you. Speaking of someone cute, she's rapidly becoming an executive producer on this podcast. Um, Amazing. Because she <laughs> sent me the one piece of news I came across this week. Ooh. So hat tip. Hat tip to someone cute for this one. It's a, um, it is kind of a follow-up or the natural conclusion of a story that I feel like we have touched on maybe in years past. But it is definitely uh, a little wild. And that is when last week on Tuesday, I think... Um, the entire anime library of Funimation moved to Crunchyroll. Oh, snap. As they are all one thing now. And it's basically like, don't pay for Funimation anymore because all our shit's going to Crunchyroll. Um, yeah. So this, the, I feel like there was talk, before, I know Sony had maybe bought Funimation and then Sony just bought Crunchyroll last summer as well. I don't know if we ever talked about that story. I remember us talking about Sony buying Funimation. Because everybody seemed to want to get a little. Uh, anime was a great way to pad out your uh, your streaming service, as we have seen <laughs> from other places. Right. Um, yep. So this is a story from The Verge, where I'm getting it from. Quote, the consolidation of Crunchyroll doesn't come as much of a surprise. Last August, Sony, which also owns Funimation, completed its acquisition of Crunchyroll for over a billion dollars. And announced plans to unify both services as a single subscription. So this was previously announced. I just apparently missed it. Um, so Crunchyroll subscribers now have access to simulcast content previously only available on Funimation. Um, the big draw there for some, uh, anime fans will be the dub library for Funimation specifically. Um, Crunchyroll tended to focus mostly on, uh, subtitling and simulcasts and Funimation made their bones on what they call simul dubs, which was getting, mm. uh, very quick 
dubbings of new English dubs of new anime episodes out there. Um, some notable dubs coming to Crunchyroll include Dr. Stone, Fire Force, My Hero Academia, and Tokyo Ghoul. Other iconic series that were previously exclusive to Funimation, like Cowboy Bebop and Yu Yu Hakusho, are now also available on Crunchyroll. Uh, the only caveat to all this is that uh, Funimation was a cheaper monthly charge. Funimation was five ninety nine a month, while Crunchyroll was at ten bucks. Um, both were offered the same price for the yearly bulk buy, uh, about a hundred bucks a year. The Verge notes for some Crunchyroll's nine ninety nine a month price might seem a little steep. Plus, the addition of Funimation shows raises the raises the question of whether Crunchyroll will decide to raise its price in the future. So that is still developing, but I mean. One one service to rule them all in the anime world, apparently. <laughs> that being that being Crunchyroll, which when you think started as <laughs> a piracy site back at the mm-hmm. turn of the century for people to post up and distribute their bootleg fan subs, it's really nuts that it's now like the dominant game in town. It's like it pulled out what Napster couldn't, you know? Like Napster tried to go legit. And just could never do it because the lore of free... Did it? Napster tried to go legit, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Napster still might exist in some form. Doing what, I don't know. But I'm sure the website still exists. If you go to Napster.com, it'll probably be something. Oh, fascinating. And yeah, that's how Crunchyroll started. Which was something I like vaguely even understood at the time. When Crunchyroll first started becoming a thing, I was like, isn't that where you went to like literally get bootlegs? And now they are, I'm sure that, I'm sure that article is out there on mm-hmm. like how they pulled it off. Um, yeah, Napster is just like a janky streamer and it looks like it's also, um, looks like it might be, have gotten into licensing a little bit. I don't know if it's like for indie artists or what it is, but Napster's still there, y'all. Wow. It's like, it's like being a website archaeologist, like just you know, getting to an old, old website and dusting off, you know, the, how it got there and what it's doing. And it's weird seeing stuff from when I was a kid or like the reinvention of stuff. Um, or even talking to, I hate saying the younger generation, I'm just going to say younger adults about things that they just like, they do not get things like Napster or even MSN. Like, (laughs) It's just, it's, yeah, it's really fascinating. What's, what's it going to be like in a hundred years if we're still here? Who knows? Kate. Yeah. I don't want to alarm you. Mm Mm-hmm. The following news story comes from (laughs) myspace.com. It's actually relevant. It's pulled from uh, the New Music Express. I'm just seeing it on the MySpace site. That's amazing. And that is that uh, the actor who plays Homelander on The Boys got a suspended sentence for assaulting someone in a pub. Oh my god! Um, was arrested in the early hours of March second after police were called to a disturbance outside a Costa Bianca pub. A chef alleged that he had been punched twice before having a glass smashed in his face. It said he had to have four stitches to a wound above his eye. So a friend of the chef asked a friend of the actor of stars to calm the actor down because he was being annoying. 
After the feud moved outside the pub, the chef claimed Starr said to him, you don't know who you've messed with, you don't know who I am, and what you've done. <laughs> cool. Great. White people having fun. Look forward to season three of The Boys, coming soon to Amazon Prime. Kate, you didn't watch anything this week. Well, that's not okay. It's not entirely true. I just didn't watch very much and don't have very many notes. I continued watching The Gilded Age. Um, I watched Kingsman, The Golden Circle, which is the second Kingsman film, which came out a while ago. How many of those are we up to now? I, I think the th- there's a third one, though. Everyone who's watched the third one, which is supposed to be uh, like how they got started, said just do not watch it. Because <laughs> um, the first two, like they're tonally really weird. They're like a combination of a Pierce Brosnan 007 James Bond film and Mars Attacks, like Tim Burton's Mars Attacks. Like they they have this like silly spyness to them you know, cars that turn into boats and, you know, secret tunnels and magic watches that can do stuff that, you know, watches can't do. Um, But then they also have these, like, you know, robots taking over the world and, you know, drugs that hijack people's, you know, bodies. And it just, there's this, like, wildness to it, this odd wildness. Um... But the highlight of the Kingsman movies, like, the story is stupid. They're stupid movies, but the fight scenes, like, the fight choreography and the way that they, like, shoot it is fantastic. Like, it's, I, it's, I'm I'm in awe. Like, it's not, like, a long take, but, and they do lots of different angles, but it's sort of this sped up, slow down type thing that they do with the camera and it it's just so much fun to watch um last week i don't know if i mentioned it i watched the blues brothers you did not wow man i did you fucking taking my cinematic september choices away from me <laughs> i i have actually seen it one okay. of the first things that chris made me do when we were going out was to watch the blues <laughs> brothers it's very important to his family it's like one it's like their family thing um, they do a Blues Brothers dance at every wedding. Oh my. It's just a thing that they do. Um, and it's as good as I, it's, it's, it's really good. It, it ages really well. The scene where the nun smacks them both with the meter stick at the same time. Yeah. Will always make Danny Ferguson laugh to tears. Amazing. He thinks Amazing. that is so funny. Um, it is it is always a good time when a car tries to run over Nazis. It's always a good time. When a car runs over anything. The whole point of the Blues Brothers movie is just the <laughs> longest, dumbest oh car God. chases. Yes. You can keep your Fast yes. and Furious, whatever. I want to watch... <laughs> What the fuck are their names? Who and Elwood? What's what's John Belushi's character? Elwood. Oh, Elwood and Jake. Jake and Elwood. J- Jake and Elwood. Watching Jake and Elwood Blues freed flee from the police through <laughs> over sidewalks, shopping malls, restaurants, whatever. In, in a mall. In, in a mall. <laughs> um, we're on a mission from God. There. Um, I just yeah, it it actually um ages surprisingly well. 
Um, and if you haven't seen it, it's a classic and you totally should. And the music is great, right? Um, and then we watched an episode, episode, not this, not yesterday's episode of SNL, but the week before the one where John Mulaney hosted. Mm. Um, SNL is this thing that I don't think is like, they have moments where it's just, it's really funny or really good. Mostly you can find those in compilations, but week to week, sketch to sketch, moment to moment. It is wildly hit or miss. <laughs> um, but I never want it to go away. Like, it's been around now for so long that I just kind of want it to always be there. Just always be there, SNL. Um, I can't I can't hang with them. Please don't destroy cats. What, what's up? Please don't destroy cats. You know how every few years they have dudes who might not be on the cast, but they write, and they're also like a comedy troupe? Like, Lonely Island was the first in this mold, right? Right. Where they, they even though Sandberg was a cast member, but Yorma uh, Keeve were writers, and they would also do Lonely Island stuff that made their way on the show. Uh, Good Neighbor, I think, yeah. has been another one. Uh, subsequently, Kyle Mooney and uh, Britt Bennett. Is he the other one? Um, yeah. And now there's another one. I think they're with the they're, three young guys. Yes, and I think their name is Please Don't Destroy. And there was one recently where it was like New Look or whatever, and it was just it's usually them just sitting around in the in an office. Yeah, riffing, and I can't hang with those guys. <laughs> the 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 one from this from or I guess from a lot, the John Mulaney weekend um, was actually really good. Um, it it made me lol. <laughs> I don't know them very well, but just that skit that they did made me lol. Um, and then finally, I've been listening to a uh, a book on tape. <laughs> um. <laughs> It's audible, but I like to call them books on God, tape. Grandma, I'm just call it audiobook. <laughs> audiobook, sorry. Um, it's another Warhammer one, but it's uh, it's Celestine the Living Saint. Um, y- y'all, y'all. I got to interject on the Warhammer thing here for a second. Okay. Given, right, given the given the hours I keep, sometimes when I see things at work, the the hardest thing in the world is then having to wait. Till an appropriate time of the morning to kick in Caitlin's Facebook Messenger and ask her to explain <laughs> something. So when the most consistent man at work comes to me and hands me a Warhammer 40K book called Gazgul Thraka, Prophet of the Wag. Yeah. Exclamation, the wag. exclamation point. That would be W A A A G H exclamation point. I have to wait until. 732 and even that was pushing it but i couldn't wait anymore y'all i was like she's up she's getting ready for work it's fine (laughs) i just send it with the caption explain this and she did yeah i just because there's what the one of the many things i love about warhammer uh 40k is or 40,000 um is how insane it is and that's fine like there's you know any franchise that's going to throw out a apparently very important event called the W A A A G H exclamation point. <laughs> they are clearly just like I mean do it. <laughs> like that is basically the the constant That's the whole war. thing. Yeah, that's the that's the empire. <laughs> that's the That is well it's it's just it's like the <clears throat> the wag is is the total war that the 
orcs unleash onto the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, it came like Warhammer. You have to think about it this way. It basically it, just someone's going to be in the comments being like, "That's not what it is." But anyways, <laughs> it's basically someone's role playing game. Like, it's a group of people's role-playing game where they yeah. made up, like, a bunch of funny shit, and then it just sort of, like, snowballed, which is how the best things <laughs> are created, in my opinion. It's a bunch of people or friends who sort of, like, try and make each other laugh or do outlandish things, and then people really like it, and then it goes from there. Um, so it's, like, there are just stuff that is wild. The The galaxy is a very, very vast place. So, you know, there, I think we've talked about, there are hundreds of books Mm -hmm. um, talking about the world of Warhammer 40,000. And what's really nice about it is I can read a couple from a thing. I don't have to read all of them. You can. I'm not going to. Um, Like Chris is reading, like we're listening to this one together. There's another one we're listening to. And he's listening to another one on his drive from 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 home. He's actually listening to a couple audiobooks. This has been a new revelation for him. Um, let me just say, if you are out there and you have any kind of reading disorder, learning disorder, um, Chris does. It's very hard for him to read. This has opened up a bunch of options for him. Um, and so he's really, like, he's dove in and i totally support that um but we can just like pick a couple of these books or or a series and don't have to you know i don't have to invest like thousands of dollars in miniatures um and like play the war games i could just like read a couple of the books that's the thing right i said this to the kid i was talking to uh at work where i said i don't think kate ever plays it or has played it i think she's just here for the lore like yeah, I'm. I love interesting lore, and it's got some of the most interesting. Um, this like Saint Celestine book is. It's just about this living saint. She basically keeps on getting reincarnated to help out armies, men, the armies of men, um, and it's awesome. I'm just like, and that's what this book is about. And there's not mo- much more to it. it they're well written. There, I do have a couple of like quibbles, which is quibbles. stop using the word icor and stop using the term steely gaze. <laughs> um, those are my two quibbles. Um, it just this is for not just for writers of 40k, this is for any writer. Find other terms or only use them once in your book. But also we can just stop using icor altogether in fantasy. Let's just stop. Um anyways, so that's been really that's been a lot of fun and it's like I said been well written and the um narrator who is Emma Gregory, I don't know what else she's done. She's a great narrator. And that's a big part of audiobooks, right? If you get a bad narrator, you're like I can't listen to this for you know 18 hours. Um, so yeah, anyways, that's, so that's, so that's what I've been up to. Not, not a ton, but still something to talk about. It's not like I could never not, you know, it consume some sort of media. Warhammer will take up a lot of time. So yeah. 
like I said, uh, this podcast is becoming a uh, somewhat cute co-production. I watched a lot of things either that she brought to me or that or with her. I'm going to run through some of these right quick. Uh, Abbott Elementary continues to be just a delightful little sitcom. Um, this is the show about a elementary school in Philadelphia starring and created, created by Quinta Brunson. It's just wonderful. What a wonderful little hang that is very, very much indebted to the office, but not, not that the office was, uh, not that it was ever like mean spirited, but like no one's like really a jerk on this show. It's like, right. it, it shreds the fine line between Parks and Rec and the office. Um, very, very delightful show. Always a fun hang. Um, another sitcom. I'm very pleased, and I'm sure this is not. People, I'm sure, have made this connection before. But when the epiphany hit me, I was like, oh, my God. Um, I think I would mentioned Grand Crew before on the show, which was a sitcom by a former writer on, I think he was there for the show's entire run, but he worked on Insecure, and he's co-producing. He co-show runs it with uh, Dan Gore from Brooklyn Nine-Nine about a group of friends uh, in L.A., uh, primarily black men and the, as stated in the pilot, you know, the, the show's reason for being is to, you know, showcase different types of black masculinity and friendship. And right. part of it as well is they end up, cause they keep getting kicked out of the bars. They like, cause the one, I guess there, I haven't really noticed a main character yet, but ostensibly who you think is the main character in the pilot, he keeps dating staff there and having it go really bad. So they have to keep moving mm-hmm. bars. And they end up kind of at this wine bar. And about the third episode in, when I realized that wine was like, wine bottles were playing a large role in like the opening credits, I was like, oh my God, it's Cougar Town for Black Dudes. Oh my gosh. It is. And that's fine because Cougar Town was just a decent show with good laughs that like had some fun people you want to hang with. And that's all Grand Crew is. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. It's just a sitcom ass sitcom that, uh, you know, has some funny dudes in good situations and a character who apparently uh, reminds folks of me shouts oh. to shouts to Sherm. Um, <laughs> something I meant to mention a few times. I have a, I have a back to back here of hip hop history. Uh, something I meant to mention a few times was the return for the third season of the podcast. What had happened was with open Mike Eagle. I talked about this show in its first season, which featured, uh, hip-hop producer Prince Paul, who worked with De La Soul and the Gravediggers and Handsome Boy Modeling School and a bunch of other stuff. Basically, it's just a deep dive, historical look back at his career. The second season um, featured LP, one half of Run the Jewels, and Company Flow, and founder and one-time owner of Def Jux Records, very, very key figure in like the late 90s New York underground rap scene. Less my bag, so I did not listen to that entire season. Um, so McCute was all about it. That's her bag. Mm-hmm. So she listened to that whole thing and kept up on the show. So when it was her who brought it to me that the show was coming back with a guy named Dante Ross. Dante Ross is an A&R guy who was very mm. prevalent in early hip-hop. He worked with De La Soul on Three Feet High and Rising. He worked with uh, Third Base, Brand Nubian, um, who else? Queen Latifah on her first album. Uh, he worked at Tommy Boy Records and then he worked at Elektra. He signed Old Dirty Bastard. Um, and he's got, and he came up in it as well. You know, the first episode has a lot of the stories about 
Union Square and the Latin Quarter and just what it was like then when hip-hop was starting, moving from the parks to the clubs and getting made as a product and becoming an industry, right? He was he was there kind of on the ground floor because he just he loved the music so much. And he's a he can be somewhat he's a good talker, not a great talker, um, but very right. very insightful and just um he's been through it and seen a lot of it. And I love I love any show or any book or anything that deals with those folks who kind of like were there and always around and understood it. Like Dante Ross is just a known figure to people who followed hip hop at the time. You just, who knows an A&R guy, you know, who knows those people. But even for a pre-social media world, people just kind of knew Dante Ross because he'd be getting shouted out on lyrics or in the liner notes or something like that. So that's amazing. He's I, like the gray poop of the kind of, of yeah. it's, it's like kind of, he's one of the Forrest Gump's of, of, you know, eighties, nineties hip hop. He was just kind of always in the mix. So that's been fun. My other bit of hip hop history that I discovered this week was there's a documentary on Showtime called, which I heard mentioned, uh, paired up with the thing we were talking about in the back half where I'd hear on different pods and stuff. People be like, Oh, did you watch the, did you watch the gay documentary? Yes. Did you also watch this thing? And I was like, there's that thing. That thing exists. I got to watch that. So I watched that. With someone What's that? this weekend, and that is called, I believe it's called You're Watching Video Music Box is the title, but it is essentially a 90-minute or so documentary from uh, Mass Appeal, which is a one-time magazine, now sort of multimedia concern, uh, headed up by Nas. Nas bought Mass Appeal, uh, the intellectual property, when the magazine folded, and has kind of been using it as a sort of hip-hop historical type thing. He's got a podcast he does with Miss Info called The Bridge. That's part of Mass Appeal. And this is a story about a show in New York, which was the first hip-hop music video show in New York on, like, the Channel 31, you know? Regular-ass network television, UHF channel, cable access, basically, on a public access channel. And it was kind of conceived and hosted by a guy named Ralph McDaniels, who they call Uncle Ralph because he was like kind of a little older than the people he was covering, but he like, you know, knew and understood and respected. And Video Music Box in New York in the 80s and 90s was like an institution. It was religion for rap fans in New York. Everybody was on it because Ralph would go out to the clubs. The the hype for, according to the doc, the hype for Video Music Box was one seeing the music videos because he would also put on people... He, as he says, when, when he predated Yo! MTV raps, he tried to pitch the show to MTV because he had gone to one of these concerts, the Fresh Fest, I think, which was the big Houdini, Run DMC, um, Fat Boys concert in New York and saw the white kids in the audience and went like, oh, it's happening. Like, it's here now. And that was when you tried to pitch it to MTV and they were like, middle, middle America's not ready. And it's like, you weren't there. Like, <laughs> I have seen, yeah. they are taking this on tour. Like, it is happening. No, that, that that's New York. That's not the rest of the world type of thing. So he gets shot down. A couple years later, they basically thief his format and start Yo! MTV Raps. And his thing was like, okay, well, I got to go deeper. And I got to show, I got to find the people who MTV is not going to show yet. Which made him really like tuned into the underground and going to the clubs and stuff like that. And, you know, 
putting on Wu-Tang and he got into video directing after that. He directed the video for cream by Wu-Tang clan, like really interesting career. And also a story of a guy who like, as he said at one point, he's like, I never saw it. We never made any money from the show. I never saw cause I, I didn't want to make any money. Cause I knew if I got money involved, I couldn't play what I wanted. <laughs> right. And you know, you got to respect that. So that's on crave in Canada as well. You can check that out. Um, Last thing I watched was someone cute. Kate? Yeah. I feel pretty. Oh, so pretty. <gasps> I feel pretty. No, you did not. And witty and bright. Yeah, girl, you know I watched some West Side Story. Um, how'd you like it? I was more... Someone cute has a very... Um, strong relationship with the 1961 movie Mm -hmm. she's knows it inside and out has seen it a million times so the deck was stacked against the spielberg version in her eyes and she had she had some she had some quibbles um not having that connection to 61 i did not find um i did not find it that egregious in some of the changes and decisions that it made um i did not think our Tony Maria pairing was that uh, kind of lacked in chemistry a little bit. That's that's really important, though. <laughs> I mean, that's like a real, real important part there. I mean, I'm, I mean, listen, it was a very eventful weekend for young Maria. <laughs> yes. Never forget that all this shit happens in the course of like 36 hours. Like, <laughs> I get you're going with Romeo and Julia, but like, I feel like. <laughs> I feel like Verona, uh, we went about a few, what a few weeks in Verona for this whole thing to like shake out. It was literally 36 hours. Um, yeah, no shots to baby driver. He's not the best singer in the world. He's fine. Also important. Um, Anita was the best part. As I said to someone cute at one point, it was like, did, has Riff seen Anita? I feel like this whole thing could be stopped. We could have averted <laughs> this whole thing. If Riff just danced with Anita. Um, yeah, yeah, she was, <laughs> I will say I did in the course of the, you know, America bit I like to be in America. during that whole bit. I initially, I started that number thinking like, man, I never really fucks with musicals. Like, you know, those just seem so weird to me and I can never like get over the hump of like, sure. We're just singing and dancing in the street. This makes total sense. By the end of it, I was like, oh, this is why people watch this. <laughs> But you love the sound of music. I what? Are you high? What? I hate the sound of music. I thought you, you hate the sound of music. Yes. Oh, who do I know who loves? Stop the sound singing! Of music? There's fucking Nazis coming around. Shut up! Oh, you that's ma- so weird. You maniac von Trapps. I don't know who you're talking about, but <laughs> I I need to know now. I'm going to ask every adult male I know in my life, being like, "Do you love the sound of music?" No, yeah, it was when, when, uh, when Oscar nominee Ariana DeBose, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, who plays Anita, the role originated by Rita Moreno, uh, who also won an Oscar for the role. Uh, I turned to someone cute and just went, she's very good at dancing. <laughs> like, just crushing it. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, is, is, it, is it my thing? No. Is it a little long? Yes. Is it very eventful weekend? Also, shouts to them. I will say I said this to someone cute as well. Um, the movie is about like 
10 to 15% Spanish dialogue with like no subtitles. They're like, fuck you, Whitey, figure it out. Good. Which I appreciate. I had the benefit of a, someone cute who can speak Spanish who was <laughs> filling in details <laughs> when she felt it was uh, salient. But by, by and large, the movie's just like, you'll figure it out. Does this person look mad when they're speaking Spanish? You figure it out. Um, so just to that. And they, yeah, they didn't subtitle it either. One last thing I just want to mention because I found it very interesting. New event started on Bandori, Bang Dream Girls Band Party, Tappy Tap Game number four, whatever you whatever you <laughs> want to call it, friends, longtime listeners, you know. Is it only number four? And I feel like it should be number 26 by now. There are only three Tappy Tap Games, Caitlin. Thank you very much. Right. Uh, Bandori was number two. After Love Life, I lied there for. Um, <laughs> there's two Love Lives and two and two Bandori games. So th- there was a story. The current event focuses around the group Pastel Palettes, which is the idol group. And in the idol right. group is a gr- the guitarist is named Hina. Hina is a twin sister with a character named Sayo, who's in another band. And Sayo and Hina are my two favorite characters in the game because their relationship. Over the course of the game, you got to remember the game kind of follows a timeline, and the game's been okay. running for like three years at this point. So you've seen, oh my god, there. N- listen, not with me. The game was out in Japan for like a year and a half before I ever got to it. Um, I know. I'm just saying these, these are very like sometimes something, especially like the tappy tap games, seems really superficial. <laughs> And then you go into telling me about it, and there's actually like a really complex. Oh yeah, you want to talk about you want to talk about, want to talk about you want to talk about lore. Let's get into that. Let's get into that Bandori lore. Um, I don't know that Japan has the words for it, but it is somewhat ap- apparent. I think I can say with confidence that Hina is somewhere on the spectrum in just the way she conducts herself and the way she's written. It's very much very literal minded, very Drax and guardians of the galaxy, like is a prodigy. The whole thing with Sayo and Hina is Sayo started playing guitar. Hina loves her sister. Hina starts playing guitar immediately surpasses Sayo's skill level. Sayo resents Hina for it. And that's been the whole thing throughout their relationship. And as they work it out, that's why that's been so fascinating to me. And what I'm loving about this story in the current event, it looks like it's going to be Hina's in the idol group. Which she doesn't really get. She just It was a place where she could go to play guitar, which she wanted to do because her sister didn't. She wanted to bond with her sister. Right. What are idol groups generally founded on? An artifice, right? Like, I'm getting way I too... I ga- say friendship. <laughs> well, I'm getting way too galaxy brain about this. But the whole thing is, like, you watch, you watch this story and it's like, they're doing their little, like, weekly show. And it's like, today we're going to a crepe shop, blah, blah, blah. And they go to this bakery or whatever. And Hina will just say... You know, the paint looks shoddy in the place or something like that. And they try the crepe and it's clearly bad. And all four of them are like the other four kind of acknowledge internally that it's bad. But Hina's the one who will go like, you guys know this is bad, right? Like this doesn't taste good. And, but you know, idols are supposed to be, keep the needle right in the center, right? Never be, right. Never be that offensive. So it looks like this story is going to be about how Hina adapts and how, or how they learn to work with her and the way she sees the world and interacts with the world and moves through it while also being, you know, there have been a number of stories with pastel palettes, especially about what idol means to them, whatever the character is. And it looks, it looks like this is going to be the Hina centric one. And I'm really interested to see how they're going to play it. It's 
like I said, it's a very galaxy brain story for, for a dumb little tappy tap game. Um, but when it became clear that this was what they were going with, just Hina doesn't have the filter that an idol generally is supposed to have. Cause you're just supposed to be like, not, you know, offensive and watching it. The first chapter basically ends with one of them asking the cameraman to cut it, you know? Because it was getting too awkward. Because it was getting too awkward. Because Hina was just saying what was on her mind. Um, so yeah, that was a, it. Was a very unexpected and and not superficial and and more complex than I was expecting uh, storyline to be emerging from my dumb little tappy tap game about idols who are just trying to do their best. Just do your best, y'all. We've done our best for about forty five minutes, y'all. So that's the point where we take a break. <laughs> It was a good segue. I appreciated it. I'm doing my best, Caitlin. No, no, I legitimately, I was like, oh, good segue. When we come back, oh, we do it for the disco. We'll get into it when we come back from this break. And welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the thing we have brought each other. But before we get into it, we have some rules. Yeah. The first rule is the rule of three. If the thing comes in parts, we will watch three of them so the thing gets the chance to become the thing it's trying to become. This is a little bit different. It came in three parts, but that was like its entirety. <laughs> so yours truly only watched one of them. Oh, my Lord. The second rule is hashtag save it for the pod, which is the rule that if I only watch one of them, I don't tell Jordan <laughs> until we're in front of these microphones. <laughs> uh, we do that so you guys get the freshest and hottest of takes because no one likes a stale take. Um, and the third rule, which isn't really a rule, it's more of a policy, is that there will be spoilers, but you can't really spoil this. Um... But if you were like, no, I don't want to know anything, then you should probably go watch this you could, and then come back. You could in the third parts. So if that, come, if that comes up in the conversation, which it very well might, um, you've been forewarned. You have been forewarned and also told to hurry and get out of here and don't go, come back, you pesky kids. Go fuck yourself. I didn't, I didn't say it this time. For once. You didn't say it. For once. For once. So, Jordan, what is the thing you brought us? I didn't intend to bring this in. I don't even know if I really intended to watch this. Because, like many people, I have made great pains to stop thinking about this subject. But the pull of the disco was too great, Caitlin. It was just too great. Sometimes the discourse is just, it's, there's too much popping off and you just, you got to be part of it. So I said, fuck it. I'm going to watch for the discourse. Let's just have an episode, dedicate an episode of the show to it. And that is genius or genius, but spelled J E E N dash Y U H S. AKA a Kanye trilogy. This is a 2022 American documentary film. Directed by Cootie and Chike about the life of rapper, record producer, and fashion designer Kanye West in May of 2021. 
It was announced that Netflix had acquired a documentary about Kanye West filled with unreleased archival footage from the past two decades, including his career in music and fashion, the death of his mother, Donda West, and his unsuccessful 2020 presidential campaign. This is three parts. Um, the first part is called Vision. Second part's called Purpose. Third part's called Awakening. And they dropped kind of weekly on Netflix. They're all out now. Um, third part just came out on March 2nd. And it's interesting. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I'm curious to see what Kate's going to take say because Kanye West is someone I, like many, have been very much a fan of, of his work and his art over the years. Um, someone I have concern trolled over the years, worried about more than I should for someone who I don't know, <laughs> for a celebrity <laughs> who I don't know. Fair. Personally. Fair. Um, and have subsequently, you know, walked away from in recent years. If for no other reason than just the music didn't hit me anymore. It didn't have the same, didn't hit me the same way uh, as his earlier work. And to watch this in its entirety, this is not my line. I've heard this said by a number of people. It's both like a celebration and a funeral dirge. It's like, mm. it's a celebration of everything you loved about him. But also, I think I, as someone in the Atlantic, I think said, it's like also putting a flower on his casket. Like that guy's just gone. He's gone. He's not coming back. And it might not even be, it might not even be his fault that he's gone. Right. You know, but he's gone. So what you have here is the first two parts are primarily Cootie, the director, was similarly to Video Music Box. You like that call? You like that callback, yeah. y'all? Yeah. No, I when you were saying that, I was like, oh, I could totally say something right now, but I'm not going to because hot takes. <laughs> Got to keep them fresh. Fresh for the back half, y'all. Hot out the oven. So probably inspired by the Video Music Box mode, Cootie was a guy who started in... His full name's Cootie Simmons, but he just goes by the one name throughout the project. Um, he kind of did this local access show called Channel Zero in Chicago and did a similar thing. He was a, he was a comic, but then he would also do this show where he would go out and go to clubs and meet rappers. And I think as he says in the first part, like nobody was doing that for Chicago. There was nothing like that in Chicago. So it was easy for him to get out and interview producers like No ID or... Um, Tongue Twista. It's hard for me to remember because, as I said, there really weren't that many. And that's where he gets linked up to this guy named Kanye West, who at the time was in a group called the Go-Getters. And just kind of a kid he kept hearing about all the time. And refresh my memory, Kate. How did how did the, how did the he get... Was it after Kanye went to New York he gets called to just kind of follow him around and film stuff? Um, I don't think he got the call i think he i think he knew that like if he didn't go then to see like sort of the rise of kanye he wouldn't he wouldn't get a chance to do it mm -hmm. because he thought you know kanye's gonna be in new york he's gonna 
start making really big strides. I think he's, does he, it's when he hears for the first time H to the Izzo. Mm, Right, 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 right. And he goes, that's, I, I recognize that. That's Kanye. Right. He's like, oh, I have to go out to New York now and start taping now or I'm never going to be able to get in. So it was like a year from the time Kanye had left Chicago to the time that sort of came out in New York. And he's like, okay, yeah, I got to get out there. So in the first part, you are really getting, I think, does College Dropout even? No, College Dropout doesn't release until the second episode, I think. But it's him getting the the deal, basically. Him getting signed by Rockefeller, which is the label yeah. that Jay-Z co-founded. Um, and just kind of his hustle, making beats, his struggle to like... To him, it's just like he made beats so he could rap on them. Yeah. Because he wanted to rap. But his beats were so good, people didn't care about the rap and they just wanted the beats. So you see a lot of his frustration there to be taken seriously um, as a rapper. And some of the stuff that is captured in that episode... Does he get to rap with Jay in that episode or episode two? See, is there going to be a lot of this where I don't remember what happened in the first episode? Because I did watch them in kind of close succession. Um, Episode two. At the end of episode one, he gets on stage um, at the tour that's happening. And, like, they give him, like, a, a chain and they say like he's part of the new Rockefeller crew. The best part the best part about this coming out has been like the details getting filled in on like Twitter and stuff. Right. Like Dame Dash, the other guy who co-founded Rockefeller Record, one of the three people who co-founded Rockefeller with Jay-Z and Biggs Burke is Dame was somewhere telling the story about like yeah, Jay didn't want to give him his chain, didn't want to give Kanye his chain, so I had to give him mine and I still haven't gotten it back like that. Oh like my that god! That type that's of shit because it was theater, right? It was just like yeah, um, or how like the one thing everybody pulled from that first episode was the the bum rush of the Rockefeller offices, where he was playing one. He's just rapping at like accountants, you know. Like it's not yeah. <laughs> it's not even like people who could make any decisions about his career, really. Um, but it's played for like this. Oh my god! Nobody under nobody understood. Nobody appreciated him. Well, you find out on Twitter later. It was like literally the tenth time he had pulled that stunt. They had all heard that song before. He had already been in and done that before. Um, but it also shows his refusal to take no for an answer. And I'm talking too much, so I'm just gonna lay back and like <laughs> because for me it's like exciting, but I also like. I know the people involved. I, you know, kind of know how things were moving at the time a little bit. This, a lot of this was probably just like fresh to you, right? This is an era of hip hop history. I don't know that you would have encountered much before you've, you've gotten a lot of your golden age, New York, late seventies through to maybe 1990 type stuff or into the nineties as well. But like this era, the kind of like 2000, 2007 era, I don't know that you've had much experience with. So like, did this even make sense to you watching it? There was just a lot of people walking around. You didn't know who they were. Like, <laughs> um, I knew, okay, as soon as uh, Black Star showed up, I was like, I was very excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's something. Because um, uh, a couple, I don't know how long ago it was because, you know, COVID makes things feel like it was a million years ago. I, like, got really, really in 
into them and like most deaf and stuff and like excellent (laughs) sorry i said excellent y'all how how, how, was the first time hearing about this oh i thought i I spoke about it but anyways i think i I sent you something being like oh my god i didn't know (laughs) so so good anyways um so that was very exciting um i don't know who everyone is but it doesn't matter um so these are my takeaways one I wanted to protect Kanye's mom, but there is just something about the way he interacts with people. Mm. It could just be that he's weird um, or focused or has tunnel vision or maybe that's what it is. But the, and the way he sort of interacts with the world that I found just watching footage of him. Hey, if you are a licensed clinician out there and like, want to diagnose from afar or have opinions love to hear them um i wanted to know all about cootie (laughs) i didn't i didn't even care that it was about kanye i wanted to know about cootie like i wanted to know like how was he living how was he making money (laughs) why like what i mean he talks a little bit about like why he wanted to like give up on his career and stand up and do this um, I want to know more about that. And I want to know more about, um, like, what's he doing now? He obviously has a really good eye for interesting, interesting moments. Um, and it, the first episode, it did make me want to watch the second episode. Okay. Because you end on a point where it's kind of like, okay, he's finally made it. And now I know about... A little bit, I know about probably this time to right after, um, well, not right after the accident, but the accident, him getting it, um, Kanye getting his oh, right. jaw wired it, it shut. It ends, it ends with the accident, that's right. Or alludes yeah. to the accident. Alludes to the accident. Um, and I know about sort of that time because of that thing we watched or listened to for the show. Oh, Dissect, that's right. We did listen yeah. to Dissect. Um, and... I find that time probably the most interesting. But seeing where he came up from, um, you know, he he's also very um, emotional, mm-hmm. which I don't think you really – I mean, now you could be like, yes, he's emotionally unbalanced. But, you know, just how, like, upset he was when the guy who taught him how to make beats basically was like – Fuck Kanye. Dissed him on the radio. Like, right, right. He was very upset about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, it's just one of the reasons why I like I just wanted to give his mom a hug so badly. <laughs> um because she just she could I think she could tell and you know, she really raised their spirits and um Yeah, the it one, was really, really fascinating. One thing, I thought it was really well put together. The sorry? One, sorry, the one thing folks called out about in the first episode about the Donda scenes is how when he goes with the, with, I think it's after he, he gets dissed on the radio, um, by, a, you know, a guy he came up with kind of finds him in the streets. They have a chat about it. Nothing, nothing real threatening or anything like that's not, not beef playing out like that. Um, but like Kate said, he's clearly hurt and they go, I think they go back to Donda's house after that. The, yeah. the apartment she's in and it's the way he knocks on the door and says i've got company like 
like the little heads up he gives her. Yeah. That he's got people with him just to let her know is just like folks were like, like commentary on Twitter was like, she raised him right. You know, you know, like, yeah, like that he would. It's so innocent, you know, it's just so it's just so innocent and sweet that, you know, that's how he that's how he interacts with her. Um, mm-hmm. I will say in future episodes, because of how things play out, you will learn more about Cootie and his life. Because, like, when you say what everyone kind of, kind of was quizzical about, if the second episode kind of goes up to the release, just past the release of College Dropout and into his second album, that was, you know, how are you going to get through another, like... 12 years or something in the third episode. Yeah. The easy answer is they just didn't talk for six years. (laughs) Ah, and you can second episode, you can already start to feel it. Him changing. He's rich now. Everybody wants him. He's won Grammys and the, the, the level of fame that he's moving into. Um, there's a brief moment where like he's going to do the Jesus walks video and Cootie and this guy they met at MTV, Chike, who's co-directing the, uh, the document, the who's credited as co-director on this project. They did the through the wire video. Um, they may have done the all falls down video. Like they did a bunch of his videos and mm-hmm. Kanye had such like vision for as is his way for, the Jesus walks video. He wants hype Williams, you know, like the guy, the hip hop video guy. And he's telling them, you know, like, you know, I, f- I fucks with y'all, but this is hype Williams. Like I got to get hype Williams. And Cootie says rightly, because this is exactly what ends up happening. Like, man, it's fine. Then, you know, hype Williams is going to do his hype Williams thing. And you're not going to be happy. And you're going to call us in six months to do another one. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's Hype Williams. That's the, le- you know, clearly you are not at that level and I need people at that level. You know, it's, it's a diss. And you see that start to happen and then there's a scene in, I think, the third episode where just they hadn't seen each other for a while. It's, I think it's an, a Grammy after party or something. Cootie kind of, not he was invited, but it's his first real, like, time talking to Kanye and Kanye's hammered and I couldn't, frankly, Kate, I couldn't watch it. Like, it was that oh. awkward. It was that awkward. Like Kanye's drunk. He's on another planet at that point. And you could tell Cootie was just like, he got all dolled up. He got his fly hat on. He was like, going to go excited to see his friend. And yeah. it's just not like they're on different planets at that point. And it's, I could not watch it. I scrubbed through it uh, on Netflix and the hardest parts, obviously they do reconcile and reconnect um, later on. Because also, even when they weren't talking, Donda would reach out to him a bunch to film stuff for her personal projects or the foundation that she had started, you know, the charity foundation she had started on mm-hmm. Kanye's behalf kind of thing that she was running. Like, if she needed video work done, she'd call up Cootie. So he was still kind of around that circle, if not directly, like, documenting everything Kanye did. But... Around the time, it was right after he got hospitalized, I think. And this is all in the third episode. 
when he had, after Kim got robbed in Paris and he kind of had that breakdown and got hospitalized, um, when he stopped the tour, he reconnects with Cootie and Cootie follows him, uh, and kind of does the thing he had always done and just kind of films him. They go on this trip to China, I think, to like, look at, um, he goes to China and Japan with them. This is around the Wyoming albums era. So 2020, 2019, 2020, I think. Right. And there's a thing where Cootie, to his credit, never wavers. Like, he has his back still to this day. Like, this is not a hit job by any means. It's uncomfortable. It's not flattering at times, but right. it's not a hit job. The closest thing to a, like, I guess, orthorial uh, commentary is there are moments where you can tell Cootie has stopped filming in the middle of something because he's like, I shouldn't be filming this. He never says it, but it's obvious. He is stopping filming because he does not feel comfortable showing him the way he's being in that moment. Right. If he's ranting about architecture or something, or like shitting on the food he's eating to the waitstaff or something, or... Just kind of having one of his, you know, long tangents about something or about how he's misunderstood or whatever else. Or, or, or his name. Or his name or the meds he's on or things like that. You'll just see the camera drop and it cuts. And Cootie never says anything. There's no narration. But, I mean, it's left to you that just, like, the third episode is a hard hang. Like, he's... He's struggling, you know, he's especially now. And again, you know, I was getting ready to settle into all these the same week that that stupid video drops where like claymation Kanye is like burying claymation Pete Davidson and planting roses in his head or some shit like, (laughs) you know, I was like, oh, God, (laughs) can I just get through this without something else happening? But we do it for the disco. Um, But yeah, he. Cootie never, you do hear about him. You hear about why he started filming stuff, why he got into film in the first place. Um, and through the course of it all, I didn't realize you see the birth of Cootie's daughter and her graduation from high school. Cause that's how long this, you know, oh my goodness. project ultimately goes for. Um, also good for Cootie. Good for Cootie. Um, and good for his daughter. He's a solid, man, Cootie's a solid cat. Honestly, like I, I honestly was like, would have been as fascinated with just like his life and Chicago and doing this thing, um, just about like him, more more centered on him. So he could have still been floating around all these famous people, but like it just been also being Cootie's life more at the forefront. Yeah, like I just thought even the footage of just his family was fascinating. I wanted to know that game his dad was playing. <laughs> I was like, what is this cribbage triangle? I need to know. <laughs> if you know, let me know. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I was fascinated about that. I was fascinated about this idea of like Chicago being a, this kind of weird dead zone for mm. rap. Um, I mean, we've talked about it before and we've looked at documentaries before. They talk about, you know, the East Coast and the West Coast and all of that that was going on in the 90s. Um, but like, then there's also that like people coming up from Atlanta and like apparently this like sort of Chicago scene. And I would have loved an exploration of like, why did they get looked over so much? Um, 
anyways, that's a whole other, that's a whole other <laughs> video, Cootie. If you're listening, you should do that. Um, but yeah, no, I thought he was a great narrator. I thought he put it together really well. Um, the team did also. Um, and like, I, there are some things that I love that Kanye has put out. And there are some things that I'm like, eh, like I, he's not one of my favorite rappers. He's not one of my favorite producers. Um, but I can understand that he was, he was really good at what he did. Um, I can also, it's also a, a story about what, what wealth and fame does to your brain. Um, and how it can like corrupt people who even are the, the most well-raised, right? Um, and it's really sad. And that's, I mean, that's basically, I think, the tone of the documentary. Like, even in that first episode, there is, there is sadness. There's a track, a train track of sadness being <laughs> laid out. And you know that oh, this is we not all, going to end well. Yeah, we all know how the story ends, right? So, I mean, it's especially like the the passing of Donda, that sequence is also a very, very rough hang. Um, I think at that point, Cootie was not in everyday contact with Kanye by any means, um, but like... Like I said, he was still around, so I think the family asked him, Donda's family asked him to like make a tribute video for her. Cause he had all you know, he had all this footage that he had done. And you know, like I said, he's a solid dude and he, he never wavered in his like support or belief in, mm-hmm. in Kanye. So you know, not being able to you know, support his friend who he cared about like he wanted to. Um, and you know, by the end of it, and this is the thing, and this is pure speculation for at this point, I am also not a licensed anything. Um, you just watch it and you're like, who's his guy? Who's his people? You know, like Donda was his people. And when he lost Donda, it's like any tether he had to, you know, kind of snap him out of his most untethered impulses is gone. Like I'm not going to say the people he's had around him for, you know, the team is like a bunch of yes men or anything, but I don't know. You just love wondering who, who's the guy who's going to tell him that's not a good idea and would not get, you know, cast out for doing it. It's a really hard role to play for very few people in history who've been able to do it (laughs) and do it well. And yeah, like it's, you wonder who that person is and who could who could fill that role for him. Because hey, seemed- it 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 takes a good um, team, a good videographer, a good um, cinematographer to to like show to make you worry about someone who mm. is <laughs> uh, kind of a maniac. I mean, yeah, and, like, and that's like I said at the jump. I've I've like I've gone through my you know, stages with Kanye to the point where like the announcement of, you know, a new project or new music for me at this point is like, I don't know. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing there for me anymore. Where before, like when graduation was coming out, that was felt, that felt like a national holiday for me. Like, right. That album was like, 
there are a few there are a few people who like made the music that I wanted to hear in my head but didn't know how to make. Like I said that before about DJ Shadow's album once where like I heard those drums and went, Oh, that's yes, that I didn't know until this moment that's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> and I feel like the first time I heard like Good Morning off of graduation, I was like, Yes, also that <laughs> <laughs> like that first like five songs on graduation I was like yeah this is like literally the music I didn't know I wanted to hear and now he puts out these like nine minute drones <laughs> running around in like a fly fisherman's uniform like the dude wears galoshes and there's still these kids out there telling me it's high fashion like no I'm sorry <laughs> I can't do it like uh... I know I still dress like a Wu-Tang weed carrier but I just like I can't like like you're literally wearing $900 versions of boots I sold when I worked at Canadian Tire. Like I can't, I can't do it, my G. Like it's just, I can't follow you down that path. And, and maybe I'm not supposed to, and that's okay too. And, but like you said, to watch this and still be like, man, I ain't, I ain't with, I ain't, I'm not walking it with you, but I hope, I hope you're okay. Like, yeah, <laughs> I hope you, yeah. I no, hope you get what you that's... need. There are some celebrities out there that, like, I, I am not fans of theirs, but I just want them to be okay. I mean, I think that's of most people, right? I just, I'm like, I hope you were okay. There's maybe five, five to ten that I'm like, ah, if you were to, you know, burst into flames, <sighs> it'd be fine. <laughs> but Kanye, I hope, I hope Kanye's okay. And that's sort of like this document, like, if you've ever been fascinated about how Kanye got here or what he was like before or this story at all. This is, I could totally see this being like the three part documentary for you. Um, if you wanted more, you were more interested in the music. I would find, I can't remember the name. You just said it. The name of the thing we, we listened to. Oh, dissect. Di yeah, dissect um, the Kanye one. It was really, really good. See, it goes really in depth into it. And Cole from Dissect is one of those dudes who literally thinks everything Kanye does is still genius. And Cole, so has buyer a, beware. Cole has a more advanced musical mind than I do, so maybe he can hear shit that I can't. But like, you ain't gonna tell me. You ain't gonna tell me that the Donda album is better than anything he did on his first on his first five. Listen, they show that clip, the infamous clip from the, the Yeezy fashion show at Madison Square Garden in episode three, the infamous shot of like Kid Cudi and Kanye, like arms wrapped around each other. And it's when the beat drops on Father Stretch My Hands part two hits for the first time. Nobody had ever heard it before. This this choir from the heavens hits and then the beat drops and it's like it's just this explosion of black joy. And oh my God, what an incredible moment. No one ever remembers that after that, Kanye raps about asshole bleach. No one remembers that part. <laughs> like, you can't tell me that that music, that that's as good as the guy who openly admitted how flawed he was. And, you know, the guy who said, we all self-conscious, I'm just the first to admit it. Like, how you can say that in your 20s. And be in your late 30s, early 40s talking about asshole bleach. Like, I don't know how that happens. Anyway. It's because it's, you know, it's a, a combination of echo chamber and self-absorption and 
when people love you so much that like you think that it just messes with your brain. We've seen this time and time again, especially with like teen and child actors. Mm. They have like a warped sense of self. Man. So yeah. Anyways, it's very fascinating. Um, I may, I, I, I kind of want to see the second episode. I'm not sure. I got to think about it. <laughs> um, like there's only so much stress and anxiety <laughs> I can <laughs> take. Um, and even the first one, there were moments where I was like, oh no, I am going to fast forward <laughs> from that. Um, one last tw- note in the form of a tweet I saw. We'll file this under D for don't get it twisted. The tweet said, make no mistake. If Kanye West was a woman, he'd already be under conservatorship. Oh my God. Yeah. Don't ever get it twisted. Friends. That's on Netflix. It's like a seven and a half for me. Although I, I got a grade on a curve. I'm saying it's a seven and a half. It has nothing to do with the construction of the documentary. It has to do with my feelings about Kanye as a documentary. It's like an eight and a half. Um, for me, it's like a seven. Like it was very interesting. It was very well put together. I'm looking at more of it as a documentary. Um, maybe some more information for see, but I feel like this documentary is not for people who are not interested in Kanye. Right. Um, but even some more information about like who people are in the room might have been interesting. Um, or what was going on. I don't know. But it was very well put together. So seven. Seven. That's on your Netflixes. Check that out. Friends, we're going to put a pin in it for this week. I'm off tomorrow. I'm trying to squeeze more, more gallivanting, more frolicking. Frolic, hashtag frolic 2022. That's what I'm trying to be about this summer. I like that. (laughs) So we're trying to get back out in these streets again. Maybe dabble in a little sickness tomorrow. I don't know, Kate. I don't know. Got a gift card burning a hole in my pocket. We'll see how that's going to go. Oh. Let me know. I will. Friends, I'll let y'all know as well. If you want to, if you want to hear twitter.com slash geek down pod, be like, Hey dummy, how sick were you today? And I will tell you catch me out at Sonic boom tomorrow. Friends. Thank you so much for spending an hour and change with us every week. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you will join us next week for another amazing episode of Geek Down Podcast. Creak ass headphones. That's all I hear. (laughs) Creak ass headphones. That is my creaky ass headphone song.